This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Shotgun for Dobbs, he drops, it's a blitz, an all-out blitz. They hit him as he likes to go, the ball comes out. The ball comes out and it's picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Josh Allen is running back for a touchdown for Jacksonville. 10-10-XL, 92.5 FM on the call. The Jags needed a play. With their season on the line and their defense made it in the biggest possible way, they get the win at home over the Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, a year removed from everything falling apart and it looking like they were absolutely headed to the worst of the worst and the basement of the NFL, now find themselves AFC South champions. It's Harry, it's Perry and Fitz. Good Lord, I did it again. You know, it's Fitz and Harry. I don't know the name of the show. I'm looking at Harry. I'm sitting like a foot from him. I look at him. I'm like, man. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You know, next I'm going to just start covering it. I'll just use your well, whole well, name. Can I just I'm, say this? Like, yes, please. Do you, you want to change it to Harry and Fitz? Because no, that's, no. that's on your mind. No, no, no. That no, literally no. is on your mind on a regular basis. No, no, this is what happens. Like, when you are just so handsome, like, when you walk in the room, it just takes over the room. Everybody's like, immediately, Harry Douglas and, you, and you, you, some guy. You have been, like, eye-gazing me, like, the well, entire not. day, too. I'm proud you went I haven't, I haven't I checked you about it yet, but at some well, point I'm gonna be like, mean, like, listen, you gotta calm it down. I'm just look, looking longingly. I can't. My wife is it. gonna be upset with you. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> share and share alike. Work wife, real life. I mean, that, that, that's what we do. Uh, obviously, a lot of conversation going into the weekend about how the AFC South would shape up. Josh Dobbs gets the start for the Titans. Uh, we knew that was gonna be the case. It was a fumble by Josh Dobbs late in the game with the Titans up 16-13 on third and six with about three minutes to go in the game. They needed that big play they got the big play in the form of a Rayshon Jenkins uh, coming up making the hit ball pops out Josh Allen not that Josh Allen the other Josh Allen picks it back up and he uh, uh, swiggity swooty he goes for the booty he gets himself the touchdown and the uh, Jags get a huge win at home against one of their biggest rivals yeah I just thought it was a, phen- a phenomenal game plan by the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson in the game where you know, previous previous to this game, Trevor Lawrence was phenomenal. Now he struggled a little bit in this game. He missed some actually some throws, some touchdown passes that uh, should have easily should have been completed. But and he mentioned this in his post game when he was talking to you know one of our colleagues. He basically said, "Listen, our defense had our back. Our defense won this game for us." And Rayshon Jenkins, a guy I think about the Dallas Cowboy games where he. He had tackles on top of tackles and the interception in overtime and, and took it back for a score as well. And then you look at this game right here, which is which was a very meaningful game for Jacksonville and their organization to get back at, to a certain point to when, when I was playing for the Titans, right, and that's back when they had Jalen Ramsey, they were able to reach the, the, the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get back to that type of football and that type of play collectively as a, a, a football team in, in, in whole. And Rayshon Jenkins makes this phenomenal play. And I believe it was Josh Allen took it in for a touchdown that gave them a lead. Now, I say that play was huge in this game because the offense, I'll say for the last like three or three, three possessions pre, prior to that for Jacksonville, was at a standstill. 
and t- Tennessee's defensive line start to take over. But on the flip side of that, the rebuttal to it is that the Jacksonville Jaguars and their defense and their defensive line started to make plays and started to be a factor. And I, I, I kind of question Todd Downing in the situation of why would you even pass the football? And it, 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 if you know if you know your defense is uh, is ramping things up, why pass the football? in that situation and, and, and not just punting it to away to Jacksonville and making them have to drive the length of the field to beat you. Yeah, and Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator of the Titans, I, I questioned a lot of the play calling in that game. You know, uh, as, as efficient as Josh Dobbs was at one point in that game, I, I still looked at it and thought, like, we all know how you're going to win this game. It's going to be with Derrick Henry. And it, to me, you look at the Jags as a team that – for all the conversation we're going to have today about coaches that are no longer employed by their team, the Jags looked around. They realized they had the wrong guy. They spent a ton of money in the last couple of off seasons to bring in an influx of talent. They've got a lot of young talent that have come in. And it took a second for Doug Peterson to sort of get everything comfortable. And I thought it was pretty wild on the pregame show on Saturday. Trevor Lawrence talked really openly in an interview with Jeff Darlington about the fact that he just had to get his confidence back. Like last year, killed his confidence and even a lot of this year he was looking around thinking i'm not good enough i'm not good enough i'm not good enough then he finally was able to get his footing back and over the last nine weeks he's been a much different quarterback i i I looked at that and you can see that in the games like there is a moment here where this is a young jags team they realize nobody's paying attention nobody's counting them in and it doesn't matter like they, they they have found a way to play really good football coming into this like the the chargers have their hands full having yeah. to go to jacksonville now well it's also a testament to show everyone what bad coaching can do to a great player Preach. and Preach. what uh, good coaching could do to a, a, great, a great player uh, I mean, I say great player because Trevor Lawrence was great in college, and he was the number one overall draft pick for a reason, not just by mistake, uh, by a lot of things that he did while he was at Clemson. And, you know, the the coach he had previous to that stint, it, I, it just didn't work out. Urban Meyer wasn't a guy. But Doug Peterson was a guy who worked with a young quarterback in Carson Wentz. His, his rookie year when he came into the National Football League was able to get the best out of Carson Wentz. We've seen Carson Wentz leave and go somewhere else and ha- ha- has not had the same success. We see Trevor Lawrence in year one not be good with bad coaching. We see Trevor Lawrence in year two be good with great coaching. So it goes to say, man, your leaders on your football team, especially when they aren't the players, means means a, a whole hell of a lot to, to these players. But also who you put around them. Bringing over Kristen Kirk, and I had a chance to talk to Kristen Kirk's wide receiver coach that I mentioned earlier, Sean Jefferson, because that's where he was at last year in Arizona. And he said, Harry, he's a student of the game. He's going to be first one there. He's going to be the last one to lead. He's a guy that can play every single position on the uh, on the field, in the slot, outside. He could do a multiplicity of different things. But Zay Jones, a guy that, that was right there with y'all uh, in Las Vegas yeah. last year, has been a, a, a outstanding for them. And then Evan Ingram taking the one-year deal uh, because he was banking on, you know, playing with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and that offense and how it's friendly for tight ends. But then you look over to the defensive ball. You bring in a Foyer Lewican, and I'm familiar with Foyer because he was in Atlanta the last few years. And when Atlanta paid Deion Jones a lot of money, but Foyer Lewican was the guy leading the team in tackles the last two seasons and, and just being that guy getting downhill, causing turnovers. But he was so good, he demanded so much money that Atlanta couldn't help him. But then you pair him up with a rookie linebacker in Devin Lloyd, and we all seen how phenomenal he was at Utah. They have some pieces on this football team and let's remember, next year, 
in the trade that they had with the Atlanta Falcons, they're getting Calvin Ridley as well. Mm. So people better watch out for the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward. The Jags defense was getting it done against the Titans, getting it done, brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. When Trevor Lawrence was drafted, I said, I thought there was a better chance that the Jags would fail Trevor Lawrence than Trevor Lawrence would fail the Jags. Indeed. I feel like last year, the Jags tried their damnedest to fail Trevor Lawrence. I have to give a huge tip of the cap to an organization that looked at it quickly and said, we got it wrong and we got to get it right. And they brought in somebody that obviously had a plan on development and a plan for the culture they want to create and a plan for their design of what was going to be the Jags blueprint for this season. And you, you talk about money spent, but we talk about a lot of money spent on smart guys that work super hard. Money that was questioned by a ton of people in the summer of did they yep. overpay Zay Jones? Did they overpay Christian Kirk? Well, they decided they were going to pay market value to get the right guys in the room, whatever market value looked like. They got smart guys in they work their asses off and now they've got it with a coach that obviously has the pulse of the team the pulse of the organization and a plan for how to utilize everybody i'm watching a smart well-run football team out of jacksonville that took a second to come together because that's normal with the new regime and now that they are together they're playing at a very high level through the course of the last couple of months so well, if it's i, I gotta give a lot of credit to the the jaguars owner shot Khan though too because sitting there and saying, you know what, we got it wrong with Urban Meyer. A lot of people don't understand that's not easy to do to admit that you made mistakes when you're front office personnel, when you're GM, when you're an owner, if you're team president. But they realized they did make the mistake. They understood uh, the the lack of impact that Urban Meyer had on the, their young players in the, in the locker room or in the, even their veteran players. And they said, you know what, we got it wrong, but let's get it right. And they got it right with Doug Peterson. Yeah, and by the way, like we always have that teams you don't want to face in the playoffs conversation. I would put the Jags on that list. Like the Jags mm-hmm. are playing really good football right now. Uh, I'm all in on, on, on Jacksonville being able to continue to advance. And, uh, you know, this is just the beginning for what Jacksonville is trying to build. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. And Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Last thing I'll say real quick, the Jags beating the Titans particularly. I know a lot of y'all aren't really big into this Jags-Titans rivalry nationally. Man, they beat a team. That that is it for them. Like, the Jags beat the team they had to beat. That is the rivalry for them. That's going to propel this organization for a long time. The Eagles locked up the number one seed in the NFC, but are they no longer the team to beat in their conference? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Area on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. We used to practice it Saturday mornings in our walkthroughs and stuff, and I had a, a little package. You had a little, little package? Did, little did they know. Harry Douglas got a little oh, package? At that time, I had a little package. <laughs> <laughs> at that time, I'm all grown up now, baby. I'm all grown up now. <laughs> I think Evan Producer has now quit the show. Get it now, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 8, and your smart speakers. Presented by Progressive Insurance, I'm Jason Fitz. Sitting here with sufficiently average packaged Harry Douglas. 
Oh, man. We're together oh, in Los man. Angeles getting ready for the national championship game. Uh, I, I, yeah. thank, thank goodness for growth. Oh, my God. <laughs> Keeps telling me went on a growth spurt. Now I know what he means. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, national championship game going to be tonight. You don't want to miss it on ESPN. Obviously, uh, we'll be there with you on the digital platforms, too. You can start listening to pregame coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Harry and I will also be on digital with Christine Williams and Andrew Hawk and Scooby McGezza. Uh, who am I missing? Gary Streisky. Uh, there's just a whole a whole bunch of us, special guests, all that 6.30 Harry p.m. Lows. Eastern. Harry Lows. We'll, we'll start that in the uh, in the ESPN app, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. So hang out with us there. Uh, in, in general, though, we'll get to the national championship game a little more later in the show, Harry. But one of the biggest takeaways from this weekend was about the eye testing in the NFL. Because, frankly, at this point, seeding matters, but playing great matters more. And there are some teams right now that are playing great that don't have the top seed. And I just keep looking at Philly. Like you said so smart. I, I felt like a smarter football fan watching the Eagles because you taught me that their run game's going to run through Jalen Hurts. And then I watched them basically open like 4% of their playbook because they didn't want to get him hurt. And I watched the Eagles, and I'm like, eh, they look okay. Then I watched the 49ers. They look great. San Francisco looks to me like they're playing the best football right now of anybody in the NFC. Yeah, for me, San Francisco is that team. It's the, it's the one team in the NFC that no one wants to play. Uh, because of everything that they're surrounded by. You talk about the quarterback and Brock Purdy coming in, and we all know the history of Kyle Shanahan being with Jimmy Garoppolo, but with other quarter quarterbacks, he has not had success. Well, you know, that turned out to be a lie, a lie only when a guy named Brock Purdy became the quarterback uh, after Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. He's been phenomenal. He's put them in positions to be successful. I've seen an emergence from George Kittle since – you know, Brock Purdy has become the quarterback. I also seen an emergence from Brandon Ayuk, uh, Jawan Jennings. Those guys are playing very well. But at the same time, they're going to be getting Debo Samuel back. You know, you see a guy in Christian McCaffrey making play after play after play. And I can only say to myself that when they made that trade, they said they told me they were going for the gusto. Not, not as if they weren't already having that mindset and going for the gusto. When I mean going for the gusto, going for that Lombardi trophy. But when they brought him over, it just added another dimension to their team. And just think about this, though, Fitz. We're only talking about the offense right now. We haven't even talked about D'Amico Ryans and what he's been able to do with that defense. And, and Fred Water, I know some front office people uh, with the San Francisco 49ers and talk to them very frequently. It's crazy how they built their roster. And remember I talked about on teams when you draft, yes, you want to handle your first and second round draft picks, but when you can have – Guys like George Kittle, in which I think he was drafted in the fifth round. I don't, I can't, I'm not exact. I think Fred Warner was drafted in the third round. Guys like that, that you can find diamonds in the rough, I think your team is going to have a ton of success. And that's basically what the San Francisco 49ers have been able to do. We're up here talking about Brock Purdy, who was the last pick in the draft. We're talking about um, Lenore at the cornerback position, who wasn't a high draft pick, but is playing, playing meaningful snaps. And I just when I look at San Francisco, everything about them says physicality. Everything about them says run the football. Everything about them says that we only have to rush four guys because we also have a, a guy on a defensive line named you know Nick Bosa who leads the NFL in sacks. So there's so many dimensions to the San Francisco 49ers team uh, in the way they're playing the last I'll say nine or ten games versus what I'm seeing for uh, from Philly. But when I'm looking at Philly. Rightfully so that they didn't go out there with those quarterback design runs and having Jalen Hurts just being hit for no reason. Granted, there are times in the game where you might get sacked and you can't help those. But 
I just thought it was smart by Philly letting him kind of knock some of the rust off, getting back out there in game-like activities and moving forward that way. And Philly almost felt like they were playing a preseason game offensively of with that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Styles make fights, too, in some of this. And I'm the first to admit that without Jalen Hurts at quarterback fully himself, we haven't really seen Philly be Philly for the last month. And so a little recency bias plays into this. Like, I'm seeing San Francisco play so well. But to your point, and I keep saying this, I'm blue in the face. Like, every single fan of every single team that's out there watching your favorite organization go through change today because they're not getting it done. Like, look at the 49ers and ask yourself what they did. They they built an incredible roster, I think, top to bottom. And then they were patient at the quarterback position. When they finally did take a swing, even though they missed, maybe. We don't know a Trey Lance. We have no idea. Even though it's an incomplete right now a Trey Lance, let me say it that way, it doesn't matter. Usually you miss a quarterback. You set your whole franchise back five yep. years. But it doesn't matter because they've done such a good job everywhere else. So, like, I'm looking at San Francisco saying the way that they're playing right now, it is just – it's so difficult to move the football on them. And, like, the oversimplification of they take away what you do well and something that I've heard a million times over the last month or, or three months covering college football from former Alabama players, the Nick Sabanism. Take what the defense gives you, and eventually they'll give you the game. What happens when your defense doesn't give you the game? This defense is so fundamentally good. They just don't make a ton of mistakes. So it's like in, in a moment of defense wins championships, part of the reason that I feel like I trust the 49ers right now is uh, on, on a neutral field any given Sunday right now, there is no unit in all of uh, the NFL that I trust more than the 49ers defensively. Well, when you look at that defense and you look at the game yesterday, I'll just use that as an example. Four turnovers, right? Four turnovers. You call four turnovers in a game, and, you know, they just play the way they play. They, they never get outside themselves. They do what they do best. And if you have a mistake here and there, in which, listen, they had one yesterday. I don't know if it was the first play of the game, but I know it was the first drive of the game for, for the Arizona Cardinals when, you know, wide receiver A.J. Green makes a spectacular catch, goes up at the high point, and then, you know, they did they missed some tackles and it's ran in for a touchdown. There's no panic, though. And I think that's the, the mindset of their defensive coordinator, also the mindset of, the, of their head coach as well. But then when you have your general manager in John Lynch who played the game at a, a high level at some point, that pays dividends because he understands and can go through a lot of things with these players uh, that more so other general managers might not be able to do because they didn't necessarily play the game. So there's so many dimensions to the San Francisco 49ers, and I think this team right here is going to be uh, – Oh, it's, 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 it's going to be good for them. The biggest dimension to me is they know exactly who the hell they are. And that's, we that's know half the battle. That's like, half the battle. From owner to GM yep. to coach to the way that they built their roster to the identity of how they play football to what they try to accomplish every single Sunday to the identity of how they play defensively to the identity of what their offense is. Like every single portion of what the 49ers are is so completely in lock, step lock with everybody else. Quick question I have for you. Jimmy G comes back. That's who you start? No. Me no. either. Things are going well with Brock Purdy. I'm not changing anything. He's been pretty damn good. Oh, this is, well, you know, and Jimmy G is definitely prettier, but <laughs> see, see what I did there? Uh, wow, he gets a rim shot, and I get a, I get a, what, what are we doing? Like, Devin, you know what? I, I expect it. Devin, Devin and Evan are the great, the great staff that helps us with this show every day. Evan, particularly great. Devin today, only so-so. That's all I'm saying. Devin, I love you, man. That rim shot was for Harry again because he, he said he liked me.
<sighs> All right. A year after the NFL's Cinderella story fell one win short at SoFi Stadium, college football's biggest underdog in decades tries to see if they can complete the fairy tale. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Will a new champion be crowned? The small private research university from Fort Worth, Texas. Enrollment under 12,000. Or will a dynasty be born? I think there will be a program that a lot of people will look at. Is there the new bar in the sport? Dogs. Bennett looking, looking, end zone. And he's got it! He's got it! He's got it! Versus Frogs. It's a keep by Duggan, and he's into the end zone! Touchdown, Max Duggan! Spitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, coming at you live as we do every single day from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern across all of ESPN Radio. Who will win the trophy? Find out tonight the College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Just found out during the break, you know, sitting here. I'm in L.A. I'm two feet from Harry. We're, we're, we're covering the game tonight for digital on the pregame show. Harry says to me, man... You know what? Uh, you, you, you're gonna have to give me a little energy in the morning. It could be a late night. I suddenly decide. I, I suddenly found out. Even though we're sitting at the same table, even though we'll be at the same game, apparently I'm not your plus one to whatever's happened after the game. I don't know what your ears are hearing. I said tonight I'm gonna be doing a lot of praying and fellowshipping. That's what I said. Without so there's so I can't no fellowship allowed for me. I don't get to. well. I don't I don't know your religion, so I don't want to okay. be pushing. You know I don't want to push things on you. Here's the thing. I, that's fine. If I'm not going to be Harry Douglas's plus one, uh, Chris Budden, sideline reporter for CFP National Championship on ESPN Radio, joining us. Joining us, Chris. Can I be your plus one if there's an after party tonight? Because Harry won't take me. I hate to break it to you. My plus one, it will be the the, the middle seat on an American Airlines red eye to <laughs> Chicago. So you're more than welcome. More than welcome. Can I go to the party as Chris Budden? Well, like that's the next question. I mean, you're, you're no, you don't. Eye? You don't look like Chris Budden. You know no, that's, that's my that's my bestie okay, over there. You know what, Chris? This like it's uh, you're I, way cooler and way more popular to get into places than I will ever be. I don't know about that. Well, I know that I'm going to need your advice offline on how to handle uh, Harry every single day. All right. Pete Thamel has told us that uh, TCU tailback uh, Kendra Miller, pessimistic uh, pessimism looms over his ability to significantly impact the game. The MCL was at just 50% health two days ago. What's your sense on what he can do? Yeah, I talked to him two days ago, and you've got the feeling in talking to him that there didn't seem positivity out of the way that he worded some things and basically had said, I'm excited for Amari DiMarcato. So we'll find up in warm-ups. I mean, he, he's, I got the sense talking to coaches that he's going to dress and try, and we'll know more during pregame warm-ups. Uh, listen, it's obviously a huge loss. And what we saw from DeMarcado in the Fiesta Bowl gives you some hope that they still have can find some success in running the football. And, you know, we're all about stories. What a cool story that will be for DeMarcado, who grew up in Inglewood, where mm-hmm. SoFi Stadium is. Yeah, Chris, I really thought for DeMarcado, or Marcado, whichever way you pronounce it, Chris, I'm going to go both ways, so I can't be wrong. 
Uh, but I thought it was pretty cool. And, you know, the cliche, you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. But when you have a guy that can come into a college football semifinals game and, you know, rush the football 17 times for 150 yards and one touchdown, but also have a fumble, right? So he faced adversity in that game. Did you get a chance to talk to, you know, DeMarcado about his performance, number one, in the, in the semifinals game and how he's feeling up for this one as well? Yeah, I, I think that he feels like this can be some – Hollywood ending uh, as we, you know, are about to kick this off in L.A. To, to me, what's lost in all this is these guys that are fifth-year seniors that had a coaching change that decided to stay. And, you know, you talk to coaches in today's transfer portal, and one I remember one coach telling me, it, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Sometimes you got to water your own grass for it to be green. And you, that's a lot of what these TCU players have done. Uh, they stayed through the coaching change. They stayed through a losing season. Some left. A guy like Zach Evans, their top running back, left to go to Ole Miss. But a lot stayed. And DeMarcado is one of those guys. This will be his final football game. Uh, so you've got to stay ready because you don't know when your moment's going to be. And I, I would think even if Kendra's able to give them some carries, he's not going to be able to handle the load. So you will see DeMarcado tonight. Chris, I keep thinking back to the way Michigan lost. It felt like Michigan made a ton of mistakes. I'll give TCU credit for forcing some of those mistakes, but, man, Michigan just constantly got in their own way. I doubt that Georgia will make those same mistakes because I give them benefit of the doubt. So how does TCU come into this game and get Georgia to beat themselves also? I think Stetson Bennett going up against this three-three-five is more difficult than people have been talking about. Uh, Kirby Smart told me the other day, this is the under-the-radar thing that people aren't giving enough attention, that in nine days, yes, it's more than a usual week, but they gave them more time off to prepare for a 3-3-5, which is something they never see, maybe a little bit of it against Mississippi State, is as hard as trying to prepare for a triple option in a week. So if they can get Stetson Bennett to make some mistakes, if they can get something out of special teams, they got a returner, and Darius Davis, who can take one back. They need some hidden points like they did against Michigan. But to that point, like if I'm TCU, I'm a little bit pissed that every time I win a game, every time people ask me to do something, there's there's a but. But you played a backup quarterback. But you had to come back at halftime. But Jim Harbaugh got a little too tricky and maybe, you know, Philly special didn't work and there was, you know, some ifs, ands, and buts to that game. They went out and won. They let them get all the way down to the two-yard line in that opening drive and didn't let them in. They got some picks on J.J. McCarthy. So if I'm TCU, you know, that's my motivation too. Everyone keeps saying, we need you to do this, we need you to do this, and then you do it, and then there's, but that. But Michigan lost it themselves. Chris, I understand exactly what you're talking about. I was playing cards with a group of friends last night. and I wasn't invited, Chris. For some apparent reason, they, they just wanted to – you know, make their argument fit their narrative. And when it came to my argument with TCU, they kept saying, but this, like you just mentioned, but that. I said, but what about Missouri? Georgia faced adversity as well. I mean, just because TCU may have did it more times than Georgia doesn't mean there aren't a good, a good football team that can put up a great fight. So I understand exactly what you're saying right now. 
but. Now <laughs> you're going to say but. <laughs> no, I was waiting to see. Like, I wasn't sure if Harry was going to be like, but. Uh, was it? No, I, I, I totally understand all of it. This game, uh, uh, people keep asking me who's going to win, and I keep saying the same thing. Well, I thought Michigan was going to beat TCU. So who knows at this point? This team has whatever that it factor is. They've been kissed by the football gods, and by the way, they're really good in a lot of places. Chris, we appreciate I know you are busy. I know you will be on a red No, no, eye. no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Chris. Wait. Who's the booziest hmm. person you know, Chris? Who's the bougiest person I know? You. Which, by the way, Fitz, <laughs> you're never going to get the invite to the cards or the steak dinner because we can't afford those places that Harry eats. Yeah. Uh, he, always just look, he usually just looks at me and is like, man, it was a culture thing. I didn't, I didn't want to invite you. It was a culture <laughs> thing. I, I, don't, I still don't know what culture he's talking about, Chris. Uh, we, <laughs> we appreciate you hanging out with us. Enjoy the game. Yeah. We'll see you there, I know. But most importantly, Thank try you. and get some rest. For anyone that doesn't know, Chris not only is going to be on this game, she's red-eyeing because she's got college basketball responsibility. Your grind is one of the best, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Love you guys. Uh, Chris uh, doing doing God's That's work. my buddy right just there. Just dealing man. with you is doing God's that's work. My, that's my saying. buddy. All right. One coach made the jump from college to the pros and failed at both. We'll talk about it next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's in Harry. Burke, we got Swagoo coming on uh, in the next hours. Swagoo, like, is yep. he a big bird or is he a snuffleupagus? Like, well, what, what, <laughs> what are we doing with Swagoo? Well, well, yeah, I mean, Swagoo wag body, you know, he ain't going to hide it. Tell him I'm is, he, is he a yeah, Barney body? I'm just imagining Swagoo just riding around in his car right now trying to figure out what happened. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. The big news that we got just as we started the show today is that Cliff Kingsbury is no longer the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. In addition, General Manager Steve Keim has decided to step away from his position in order to focus on his health. So the Cardinals go into complete rebuild mode. And we spent some time this morning talking about it. If you've missed it, by the way, you can always get the uh, podcast hour by hour in the ESPN app. But Harry, he's not the only coach. And I don't want to get lost on this because before that move, there was a lot of conversation about Lovey Smith particularly. And Lovey Smith made a bold decision yesterday at the end of the game when they were playing for the first overall pick in the draft. The Texans tied the game with only seconds remaining and decided to go for the two-point conversion and the win, which they got. And as a result, the Texans are sitting at the second pick in the draft. The Bears are sitting at the first pick in the draft. And you immediately said to me, sitting there watching the game, man, Lovey Smith might have just gotten himself fired. Yeah, I did. And it, it also made me think about this, Fitz. Did Lovey Smith know beforehand that he was going to get fired prior you know, to that football game? And I say that because, number one, I got to point out that coaches and players don't go into football games saying, hey, we're going to tank, we're going to do this. We're going to find a way for us to lose the game. That's not the mindset. That normally comes from a front office, a GM, a president, or a owner. That, that That's the only place that would come from. And on a fourth and 20, they actually threw up a, a Hail Mary, basically, and it was caught for a touchdown. And I said to myself, uh-oh, here we go. I said it. It's nowhere they're going. They're going for the the one point, so the extra point and kicking it. They have to be going for two. And I'm saying to myself, it's no way the Houston Texans can convert this two point conversion 
and be excited about it. And I'll be damned if they did it. And immediately the cameras went to Cal McNear, the owner of the Texans, uh, while he was on the sideline. He probably had the most disgusted look on his face as if, you know what, he screwed me. No, 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 Cal McNear, let me go ahead and rewind it. No, you screwed David Cully, and you've also screwed Lovey Smith, two people who have had phenomenal careers in the National Football League on the coaching side and, and is actually beloved by a lot of people. And I say he screwed those two guys because I don't like the simple fact that he used these two minority coaches to get to a point to where, you know, he can have draft picks and have, you know, a top five pick with that and just, you know, some cap space to make some noise. I don't like that. Because as we touched on with Lewis Riddick, it gives the people on the outside the mindset that, you know, people of their caliber can't do well. Well, when you don't give them anything to work with in the first place, or, or nor do you give them time, not many people are going to do well. Now, it's crazy because that conversation, you know, spilled over to the, the, the NBA and how certain coaches may get, you know, a team that's already set up for success versus a team that they have to – you know, try to build. And you look at Coach Silas for the Houston Texans, I mean, for the Houston Rockets. He wasn't built for – he wasn't set up for success for the Houston Rockets. But then you you date back and you look at people like Steve Kerr taking over, you know, the Golden State Warriors. Granted, Steve Kerr is a hell of a coach, but he was set up for success. Or you look at, you know, the 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 – what's the head coach name that previously was with Boston? Um, Brooklyn. Steve oh, Nash. Oh, Steve Nash, yeah. You look at him and how he was set up for success with the players that he had versus other minority coaches who have to scratch and claw with young players and no superstar players and try to figure out how they're going to get it done. That's basically what I thought David Culley and Lovey Smith was set up to do. And it goes to show you that, listen, even if the, these minority coaches do have an opportunity to be a head coach, you can't just take any job because things like this are going to happen. Well, and, and you have to look at the cupboard and see what are the ingredients the coaches are being asked to cook with. Like, what are they doing with the talent they have? And what's the overall process? Are they in lockstep with everybody? And at some point, what the Texans owe the world here is transparency on why the next hire is going to be different. Like, when you've hired a coach and then you fire him one year later, and then you hire another coach and you fire them one year later. Now you need to look at the fans and tell them, why will this decision be different than the last couple that we've made? And I said it before, I'll say it again. A coach with options is not going to pick the Texans, given the, the track record they have. Yep. A coach with no options is not going to be better than Lovey Smith was. Like, I don't understand the logic of not letting Lovey run it back. You continue your roster development. If you don't see it as the roster gets a little better, maybe you make a change after next year. But right now? But, I, but I'll say this, and I know Andre Johnson, who played for the Houston Texans for a very, very long time and did some phenomenal things in this league and is going to be a Hall of Famer. Actually, he's a, he's, he's a candidate uh, this time around as well. And Andre is the most cool, common, collecting human being I've ever been around, literally. When he comes out and says things about the Houston Texans organization, I definitely listen. But you look at the most prominent people who've made that organization, you know, be relevant whether it was Andre Johnson, whether it was DeAndre Hopkins, whether it was J.J. Watt. And at the time, I know a lot of people before y'all scrutinized me, it was Deshaun Watson as well. So many people came out and said that things weren't right within that organization. And that was huge to me because these are the, the greatest players in Houston Texans history 
and they're coming out and saying A, B, C, and D about your organization, that's an eye-opening situation for me. If you are a fan of the Texans right now, you just you, you want relief from the sense of constantly being the laughing stock, and you get relief by hiring smart and giving people the opportunity to create a culture and change things. And you know, I, I we said earlier that I, I would praise the Jags for one season in saying we got the wrong guy. I I can look at any any coach or any owner, I should say in the league and say, hey, if you fired somebody after one year, maybe you're admitting a mistake, maybe you see something behind the scenes, okay, fine. When you do it two years in a row to two people that are respected throughout the course, of, like throughout the league, like that's that hits different. And you don't hear people talk about Urban Meyer behind the scenes the way they talk about Lovey Smith. You don't hear people talk about Urban Meyer the same way they talked about Cully, right? Like respected coaches that obviously have been there, done that, didn't get the opportunity. And for Houston, I just don't know if I'm Houston, usually a team is interviewing coaches. I feel like right now coaches should be interviewing this team and saying, why the hell do I want to work for you? Can I I give a shout out to Lovey Smith though? Yeah. Because if he knew beforehand that he was going to get fired, I applaud you for, for sticking the bird fingers up at, you know, the owner, Calvin Nair, and saying, you know what, we're going to go for two and we're going to get it. I'm going to screw you out of the number one draft pick, too. I'm I, ne- I love it. I love every bit of it. And I'm never going to fault a coach for putting his team I love out there and trying to it. win football games. Like, they, they went out there and tried to win a football game. That is his job, and especially yep. in a world where, as you know, so many of these players and coaches won't be with the team next year anyway. Man, every opportunity you have to scratch and fight, you scratch and fight. The national championship game is tonight. You can hear every single moment of it on ESPN Radio. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Harry and I will be also hanging out with you if you watch on the digital platforms. We'll be there getting you a pregame show. Candy and Carlin will keep down, breaking down all of the action throughout the course of the day. Thanks for hanging out with us. Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.